0: Welcome, friends around the world, to another episode of the Discipleship Podcast, hosted by Brian and Melissa Chu. Our goal is for you to grow in your faith and discover your purpose in life.
1: Arlene Pelican is a speaker. She's the host of the Happy Home Podcast. Now, just stop right there. Can you jot that down? If you have not checked out her podcast yet, you need to go find it and listen, because it is going to help you in all the things. She is an author of several books. So just to name a few, Parents Rising, 31 Days to a Happy Husband, and Screen Kids, and Calm, Cool, and Connected, which is a big hit in my family. Arlene has been featured on the Today Show, Fox and Friends, The Wall Street Journal, and Focus on the Family. Now, these are bragging rights for Arlene, but these are bragging rights for the Lord. The Lord has Increased her influence and expanded her boundaries, so she gets to speak in these amazing platforms. And really, we give God all the glory for that. So that's why I love to to do bragging rights. It's really give it to the Lord. She's coming to us from San Diego, where she lives with her husband James and her three beautiful children. And just to before we get started, because I know you did not come here to hear me speak, we're all here to hear Arlene speak. But I just want to give the connection, connect the dots of how we met. I go to church in Colorado Springs. Arlene came and she was a guest speaker and she took the stage. Arlene, you don't even know. She's stunning, y'all. And she's just classy from the get-go. But then she is hilarious. I mean, she had the place rolling. I'm like, she is stand-up comedian mixed with like preacher lady all in one. And then it gets better. So I'm one of the youth leaders at our church and she came and spoke to our youth group. And they all knew she was talking about technology and devices. And you know, every kid is like, no, it's it's not that lady. She's going to make us feel bad and make us put our phones away. But she held their attention and she got, she got them to get it. And Arlene, I didn't even tell you this. We follow up those youth group nights with small groups. And so don't you know it, the small groups that we had after you spoke, all the discussion questions were based on what you spoke of. And I am telling you, it was so powerful. If you ever doubt the impact and the influence of your words, let me just tell you, we had kids holding up their devices saying, I'm addicted. I've been using this for candy, not vegetables. And they were owning it and they were repenting and they were making plans and steps to do better. And Arlene, this is your heart. You are making a difference. And so without further ado, let me pass the baton to you and Arlene let me just start out by saying we know you have a passion for all things home that's that's being a good wife and in a and good mother and cultivating a rich home, but there was something with the technology that pricked your heart could you walk us through that and how you got to dial in on this technology. Yes. And you know what? I feel like you all are so sweet to come
0: out and hear us talk together. I feel like, oh, I could leave now because Melissa has just blessed me and filled my cup and made me feel like, oh, good. Um. Someone is hearing. This is fantastic. So thank you. Thank you so much, Melissa. That was such Mm -hmm. a pleasure to go to Radiant and to be able to speak to. Here's the thing. If we can talk and we can talk to a parent and maybe a grandparent, if they're really involved in raising the kids and the kids and the teens, and we can all say, Hey, technology is a struggle for all of us. So it's not just like, you're really bad at this and you're really, but like all of us, and what can we do together? That's where you see some real change momentum. Mm -hmm. And it's really great. And just like you were saying, God gets a credit for any, all good things come from above. And really this, this outlet to be able to talk about technology has been a gift from God because I did not have, I was not smart enough to think, you know, 10 years ago, you know, technology is going to be like a big thing. And I should probably start talking about that. I did not even think that. So it was actually Dr. Gary Chapman and Moody Publishers who Dr. Chapman was doing a lot of counseling and seeing that, you know, a lot of people are talking about technology these days, but I don't have kids in the home. It's not really where I'm at. Maybe we should look for a co-author to address the subject. And so Moody Publishers reached out to me to ask if I would co-author with Dr. Chapman. And so it was really like one of the You know, when I heard that, first of all, I dropped to the floor, like I was like, you're kidding. But it really was that God opening a door. So all, you know, so thank God he was the one that opened the door. And, and the idea was, okay, I'm raising these kids. At the time I started writing about technology, my kids were very young. Now they are two in high school and one in sixth grade. But we were finding like, hey, when kids don't play video games and when kids don't hold an iPad all the time and when kids are just used to like reading and activities and people and boredom, they're pretty easy. (laughs) Like they're not that difficult. And so we were finding that, hey, we are winning at this game that a lot of people are losing. And that gave us mm-hmm. a passion, my husband and I, to say, hey, okay, yeah, we're in on this. Like, let's try to inform people. Let's try to help people. What's happening in the brain when the, when kids are on technology? Why are these devices so addictive? What, what are we sacrificing? There's a trade-in. So, yes, I have a peaceful, quiet home, and I'm, I'm quote, unquote, safe because my child is sitting next to me. But what have I traded for that and, mm-hmm. and being able to kind of really think that through Technology not being an evil monster, it can be used for good, it can be a tool for good, but to realize it's not designed that way. It is designed to capture your attention, to never let go. It is bad news, not good news that gets you hooked. It is fear, mm-hmm. not peace that keeps you clicking on for more. So just realizing, you know what, this is going to be very influential on my child. And as a parent to say, hey, kids are too young to handle, whether it is bullying or the sexualization of a culture or gender or popularity or image control, addiction to video games, all those things. Kids are not equipped to do that. They're just kids and their brains are still developing. So it is really my honor to be able to help parents realize, okay, when I give this phone over and when I give this tablet over, what am I really doing? So they can be more informed when they do that.
1: I love that. And when, when you open that door to unpack technology and you mentioned the brain and I totally geek out about all things, brain. but I want to go there just for a moment because it helps build the crisis and we're not gloom and doom and and fear driven, but we want to be aware. And I think it's worth mentioning. Like, could you just briefly tell us like, what is happening? Why is this technology such a big deal? Yes. So they're doing
0: a study, National Institutes of Health, of 10,000 kids over 10 years. It's called the ABCD study, Adolescent Brain Cognitive Development. They're studying kids' brains. And basically, they're seeing a few things, that when a child is on devices, they're showing a thinning of the cortex. It's what processes the five senses. And usually, this dulling happens when you're old. So you know when you're older, 60, 70, 80, and you're like, you know, I don't smell as good as I, you know, not smell like you just smell, but like, (laughs) I don't, I can't smell things like that. That's happening in kids. So a thinning of the cortex, Mm -hmm. an overload of dopamine. So dopamine is that good feel good uh, hormone. That's like, wow, that was pleasurable. Like riding a roller coaster. Wow. That was fun. And once in a while, that's fabulous, but kids and adults, we can't ride roller coasters all day long. So Mm -hmm. kids on devices, it's like that dopamine they're lighting up. Wow. I just got to the next level. Someone liked my photo. I wonder what email came in. This is a puzzle. And I have to solve it. So they're having this dopamine experience all the time. And what that means for the brain is it doesn't have time to rest. It doesn't have time to process what has already happened because it just goes on to the next thing. So it's not cataloging memories. It's not drawing conclusions. And then with that dopamine, they need more. So it's like the same thrill of yesterday isn't the the thrill of today. So if your kid was so happy with 15 minutes today, But tomorrow they're like, I need 20 minutes. And, you know, and they're ready for this little video game. But now they're like, I need a more hefty video game. You know, it's because they need more dopamine. The prefrontal cortex of the brain, it's the front of the brain. That's the executive decision-making center. The part that says, I've been gaming for two hours. I should probably go pee. The part that says like, (laughs) my mom has been calling me to dinner for the last 30 minutes. I should probably get up. That part of the brain does not get any blood. When your kid's playing video games and it's fight or flight, you know, they're running for their lives and they're shooting and they're doing things. So their cortisol, their stress hormones up, their body thinks, man, we got to keep this kid breathing. They're trying to survive. And there's no blood flow to that executive decision-making center. And Mm -hmm. if that happens once in a while, that's fine. But if that's happening on a regular basis, what it means is a child reading That whole time will have a very different executive control center developed at age 20, Mm -hmm. let's say, than a child who's been gaming that whole time and depleting that executive center on a regular basis. They'll have a weaker muscle, weaker ability, and that's why you see so many kids in their 20s young people and you think why can't they make those decisions or regulate their mood themselves why are so many struggling with depression and anxiety and all these disorders and a lot of that has to do with that decision making center was never formed as a child and they're behind and so for us as parents we need to realize wait a minute this isn't just a device to pass the time but you have a growing brain and it's my responsibility (laughs) to give you the healthiest brain your brain the best chance possible and and that's the why behind why we might not be average and why we might not be normal
1: wow first of all everything you said is yes and amen but as a mama I'm sitting here getting my own convictions because I know you're you're speaking to the impacts on our children specifically but actually it applies to all of us and so moms let's just like have a moment of humility and and not it's easy to listen to someone else speak and be like oh so and so needs to hear this and yes this is for my kids but let's just turn our eyes inward for a moment and let what arlene is saying um touch our own hearts a little bit there so that's between you and the lord but i'm just like having a holy moment here um What is, I love, so on Arlene's website, and let me just show you guys, that's her website there. So please go to it. Please check it out. She is a wealth of information, but she has what on here. She has these quizzes. And they're like little check-in, little touch-in points. And so I was mentioned to Arlene before we went live. I have a house right now full of middle schoolers. So I was like, kids, sit down. We're taking a test. And we took this test to kind of gauge, it's a little quiz, of what their addiction is to technology. And y'all, these girls were like, "Um, I think they were, um, I forget what their title was, but they were like barely hanging out. They were like one step to total addiction and getting derailed. And so Arlene, could you share with us some things to look for? Like what are some warning signs? How can we tell what's too much and what's okay? Mm -hmm.
0: And that's so good that you had them do that because a lot of times just being aware, like, oh, I didn't realize that about myself. So as parents, grandparents, caregivers, you can see and look at your children and say, okay, they are only happy when they're on a device when that device is not with them, when they're not gaming, when they're not social media, when they're watching Netflix or YouTube, they are unhappy. That is a big Mm -hmm. warning sign. If you see that, man, my kid really is in a good mood when they have a device and is really in a bad mood or a you know sad mood when they're not on a device. If you see changes in behavior, a lot of parents will say, "Oh, we gave our child a phone, we let them have social media or we they start watching playing this particular game." And then a year later, they're like, "What happened to my child? Like my child is so dramatically different than who they were a year ago and so when you start seeing those slight changes like that doesn't sound like you or you know, that mm-hmm. isn't really how you would normally act that's a warning sign like I remember my cousin she has a lives in a cul-de-sac and all the kids would play and ride their bikes and everything, hang out in the cul-de-sac. And one of the girls got an iPad. This is, you know, elementary school. Mm-hmm. So one of the girls got an iPad, stopped coming outside and the girls will always knock on the door. Hey, come outside and play with us. Oh, I'd rather be on my iPad. Well, that was elementary school. Now the girl's a junior in high school. She She's never come out, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that idea of Their behavior is changing. Things that they used to like doing, maybe they like playing an instrument or hanging out with friends or you know volunteering for something they used to like horses. They they used to like these things, and then all of a sudden you see they don't want to do it anymore. So Mm -hmm. changes in behavior, those are warning signs. Um, They're sneaking around to use devices. You know it's in the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. and you're like, what in the world are you doing playing this game or whatever it is, or or they're waking up early to play a game. I mean they wouldn't wake up early to go to school to save their life but they'll wake up Mm at 4 a.m to start playing a game with someone so you see things like that and you know okay this is a problem and of course the telltale when it when you take it away and they freak out Right. When you freak out, when you're forced to unplug, maybe you're going camping for the weekend and your kids are like, We cannot do this because we won't have Wi-Fi. Or, you know, it's time for dinner and you unplug and your kids just go ballistic or or you tell them, Hey, there's a new rule. We're gonna have a a screen-free Sunday to try for all of us, and they just go absolutely crazy. You know, then you know, okay, this is this is a little bit of a problem.
1: Yeah. You know what's so alarming. Uh, based on what you said is everything you were describing was what we used to focus and emphasize when we were looking for drugs in our kids. Subtle behavior changes, withdrawn changes in hobbies and things that they're interested. I mean, it's a, it's a complete parallel. Yeah. How interesting that you
0: would. And we're talking about drugs. Yeah. And they have done brain scans of kids who game, you know, let's say 15, 20 hours a week the kids who are addicted to drugs and they are the same. And so obviously it's, it's so obvious to us that we wouldn't say to our child, Oh, here's a cigarette or here's some vodka or try some drugs. Like we, it's so obvious we wouldn't do that, but because it's so average, so normal for kids to have devices and because there is good bundled with the bad here, it's your online school. You're going to Skype grandma here. You could use a Bible app. Like there's good things that are bundled in. So because of that it's super problematic because our guard is down we don't really realize that these digital drugs are as addictive mm-hmm. and perhaps more dangerous because they're acceptable you know if mm-hmm. and because if your kid was addicted to you know cocaine or something they could go to treatment and then separate themselves from drug culture. Like that's possible. But a kid who's addicted to video games, addicted to social media, addicted to too much YouTube, whatever it is, they're going to be handed a computer all their life, you know, that's going to be part of their life. And that's why I feel like we have to, as parents, really equip our kids to enter adulthood, not addicted. So they don't have that struggle Mm -hmm. every time they have to use their device for work to keep in touch with family, et cetera, that they're not always. Facing that temptation, oh, I want to play that game so bad, or you know, I want to shop, or I have to check my social media numbers. You know, all those things that you're trying to raise your son or your daughter free from that, just like a drug addiction.
1: Wow, this is okay. I think we have sufficiently created the the yes, awareness. The why? Yes, this is a big deal. And I want to just encourage you to sit down with your kids. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I'll just take a drink of water here. Yeah, I'll do it the same. <laughs> okay. The quiz is awesome, and here's why. I mean, it's not the end-all, be-all, but it's not you telling your kids, do this, do this. It's a self-assessment from a third neutral party. And what I saw in these kids was their own revelations, their own ahas by taking the self-assessment. So I'm just like, let's start there, But let's start to flip the switch, Arlene, and what as parents, what are some habits we can begin to start to establish with our families to create a healthy balance?
0: Yeah, and so that's the idea of you wanna model. So if your kids grow up to use technology, would you be happy? So ask that question and then start changing your own life. So perhaps before changing your kid's mm-hmm. life, uh-huh. that you think, okay, wait a minute, I'm the one. So I'm the one who needs to put my phone away at mealtimes, or I'm the one who needs to not be consumed with my emails after dinner, but instead be fully present with my kids, you know, so, so start there, like model mm-hmm. what you want them to be. Start yeah. there. And then, you know, there are some really simple, but pretty major moves. Uh, One would be delaying devices. So making the choice, making the decision, don't leave this up to chance because when your 10 year old is begging, begging, begging you for a phone, eventually you will give in unless you've already made a choice. And, you know, I love to say that Bill Gates, he knew about technology and he didn't give his kids phones till they were 14 years old. If your kid has to have a phone because they need it to communicate, then just get a simple phone that texts. And that's all that an elementary school does school child does not need access to, to the internet. It's they, it's just too much. So start with a simple texting phone. You know, my kids are in high school. They still don't have their own phones. And so that's not average, but it's working really, really, really well. And it is doable. They go to public school and, and it, it, it works. So delay those devices as much as possible, have a screen-free meal time, you know, make that a regular <laughs> habit in your life, have the phones charged in another room, unless you're an emergency worker and you need it, but your phone too, you know, in a, in a location. And if you know, your kids won't be able to handle it, then maybe you their phone needs to go under your pillow. I don't know, but the idea is that they are getting nine to 11 hours of sleep, not interrupted with that digital baby. And I think mm-hmm. if you can work towards uh, the healthy things that the, you know, that same study of the 10,000 kids I was talking about, mm-hmm. they just recommend, recommend three simple things, nine to 11 hours of sleep, one hour of exercise, two hours or less of amusing screen time, what we call digital candy. And you know what, if you can work towards those three things, your Mm -hmm. kids will be a lot healthier and you will, you will be too.
1: I love it. I love it. So applicable. Two things I want to follow up with that. Arlene started to mention it, but I just want to, to, to say what's possible. Arlene's kids, is this true? They don't have phones. They do not have phones. And they are. But my
0: son has a Google voice number okay. and it works really well. He's the captain of the debate team, co-captain of a quiz bowl team. He teaches piano students. So he has to talk with clients. So he does have quote unquote, legitimate reasons to have a phone. Yeah. But we found that the Google Voice number, he texts through that on the, you know, at home through a laptop. It works really well. Once in a while, it's inconvenient when he's out. We have to figure out, you know, but you just plan. Like, I'm going to yeah. be here at three o'clock. I mean, that's how yeah. we used to do it. And right. now it's so easy. He just has to ask a friend, like, can I text my mom on your phone? It's not a big deal. So there are definitely workarounds.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I just wanted to paint the picture of of what could be. Some of us, self included, we think we've dropped the ball. We started too early. It, we're, we're trying to backpedal, but you okay. paint such a beautiful picture. One, you walk your talk, and and you're living it, and your kids are like functional, happy, Gosh, contributing members. of Society. like yeah. it's possible ladies it's possible yeah. we did it i mean we grew up without the electronics so one i just want you to like this isn't impossible what we are dealing with and um with some simple adjustments just reminders that, that we're the boss of them right we, we pay the bills and we're still the parents and so we really do get to dictate those boundaries and so stand firm mamas like do whatever you need to do you're fighting for your kids brains in their future, in their yeah. function. The other thing I want to talk about, and you mentioned real briefly, candy. Mm-hmm. I love the the idea of candy and vegetables as it relates to electronics. Can you just give moms, I think that's just a good way to talk to your kids about the electronics. Can you elaborate on that? So whether your child is two as a toddler or 20, you can talk this
0: way. So I have my bag of M&Ms right here. So this is digital candy. So digital candy is things, they're fun things that are easy for your kids to consume. <clears throat> It's YouTube, it's Netflix, it's social media, it's video games. You never have to say, please get on your video game, my child. Just I beg you, please. Like, right? It's candy. It's super easy. They can do it all day long. It's addictive. It's it's okay in small doses, but if you get a ton of it, it makes you sick. The digital vegetables are things like online school. Skyping grandma, memorizing a Bible verse. These are things that are helpful, but they're never addictive and you really never get in trouble for them. And usually your parents have to serve them to you. Okay, so you can talk to your kids about, hey, what are you doing now? Hey, is that a digital vegetable or a digital candy? And let them start realize, oh, well, this is digital candy. Well, great. Well, why don't you do that for half an hour and then let's turn that off and let's go read a book or do something different or go outside, blah, blah, blah. And so just start them making the difference and distinction. You know, it sometimes is right down the middle. You know, my son likes to to modify Nerf guns. So he'll watch YouTube videos about Nerf guns. And you know, it's like right down the middle. It's kind of fun, but you're kind of making something, you know, so there's gonna be this, but you're having those kinds of discussions so that your kids can start seeing all screen time is not equal. And I have to be, I have to get less candy and more vegetables. But again, the parent has to step in and help because obviously, any kid would eat candy all day. You know, they're not going to pick something healthy. It's just so you, we, as parents, have to step in with that.
1: I love it. I love it. Thank you. I know I've referred to the vegetables and candy often since I first heard you speak. I'm going to take a moment and pause, ladies. If you have questions, write them in the comments. We can see all your comments. I already see a couple, so let's just address those. And if you think of others, please text them. If we don't get them in the live now, we'll respond via you know comments. We'll, we won't leave you hanging. But the first one, Arlene, says, what are good activities for kids to help develop the prefrontal cortex? Yeah, the brain. So- Reading
0: is always going to be so good for your child and then putting your child like in social situations. So for instance, yesterday's child, they used to write, just play. It was unorganized. It was like, I had to figure it out. What are we going to play today? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be? And just naturally it's like, who's going to be the leader? Oh, you fell down. I need to apologize to you. All those things help that prefrontal cortex to make decisions, to regulate mood. So it's really putting your child in normal human activity, human activity interaction right so so much is by the screen and and that doesn't require a lot of us but when you're face to face with someone and you just hurt their feelings you have to apologize and that's Mm -hmm. that's so all the things basically to help them regulate mood help them to have self-control make them do things they don't want to do Right. So they, sometimes we, as parents, I'm guilty. I'll think like, well, I don't want to make her clean up. I'll clean up. You know, I don't want to make her, but realizing, wait a minute, if I make you clean the kitchen after dinner, that's actually helping your prefrontal cortex to say to yourself, I don't want to do this, but I'm a team member and it's a house and it's messy. I will do it. So it's like helping your child make those good decisions giving them the opportunity to make those decisions, not being this helicopter parent that fixes everything for them, mm-hmm. but let them face problems, solve them themselves. And that's really going to help their prefrontal cortex.
1: I, I love that. And I'm so stealing that tonight. When I make my kids yes. do their chores, I, my go-to line is, I'm preparing you for life, right? listen right. to me preparing yes. you for life. But now I'm going to like add in, I'm helping your brain like develop. Like This is good for you. Yeah. I have um just a follow-up question regarding reading and I know I myself have asked this question. Reading a book with paper and pages yeah. versus reading online like a tablet yeah. versus hearing it through earbuds or headphones or whatever. Is there a difference yeah.
0: So I would say, like if you're an auditory learner, so you do read by you learn best when you hear things, then that audiobook is going to be really good for you. So it's also okay. the learning style of each person. Okay. So someone might really get something through audio where another person would prefer to read it. R- looking at a physical book versus an electronic, you know, an electronic book is gonna beat an electronic video game, but a but a paper book is going to beat Uh, Kindle. So basically they've done studies and what they see is that kids who read the same text on paper, retain it better than kids that read it electronically and part of that is because when you're on paper you have like think of it in a book you have a sense of oh i'm almost done with a book i better just keep going or i'm halfway through or on a kindle you have you don't have a sense of where you are Mm -hmm. and then it's really weird have you ever picked up a book and tried to look for a part and you know it's on the left side and you know it's on the top right? You can see it. Whereas on a Kindle, you don't have that kind of reference. So part of the Kindle weakness is you don't have that context of the whole book to work through. And it can be more distracting because there might be other, you know, there are other books you could jump to. Mm -hmm. There's maybe a link you could follow. Whereas when you're in a print book, there's only one way to go. There's only one thing to do. So it's really that focus and the material of it that is helpful. But again, if you've got a kid that's reading on their Kindle, I'm not saying to take it away. I think it's good that they're at least reading on their Kindle. But if yeah. you had the choice between, hey, let's read this electronically, or hey, let's get this on paper, same price, get it on paper.
1: I love it. Thank you. I've always wondered that. And so I appreciate the clarification. There's one other one here. I'm not sure if it's a comment or a question. So we'll just read it and see what happens. It says, with COVID, in our case, we moved away from the friends, my son's um, my son's use of games is his way of connecting to home. Yeah. How? I don't have my glasses. How can, how can we, how can we, can we rationalize, we rationalize. Yep. hours online when he claims that's his social life? We moved to Mexico, not realistic to have English-speaking pals. Right, yes. That's
0: right, a big- so a lot of layers here, and thank you so much for being here. And I think a lot of parents can relate to this. Like, it's been COVID. We've been in. We, you know, this is how they relate. Is it okay? you move away? Can they be with their friends? So this is very difficult, and I mm-hmm. recognize that. And you want your son, your daughter, you know, either, obviously, this is a, a I think this is a son, but some of you listening might be a daughter. Anyway, you want them to connect with people. So I would say mm-hmm. if they're doing this, if the video game you're okay with, so let's go there first. This is a video game you're okay with him playing. Then if he's and he's playing with his friends, then that's something as long as you're seeing that it's not a problem. So if you could say to your son, hey, tomorrow we're gonna skip the game. And we'll just start it up the next day Mm -hmm. if he like whoa like he can't handle it then you know this this is kind of an excuse like the whole friend idea is just Mm -hmm. to keep you soft so that you'll keep saying yes because just like in real life Mm -hmm. your kids don't see their friends every single day you know so it's okay for them to take a day off of seeing their friends they'll make it so Mm -hmm. you could try that just to kind of see what's going on. And, uh, but then again, if it is a good healthy way to connect with his friends a little bit is, is okay. But if you're finding, wow, a lot of time is being spent towards this. And then whenever you move somewhere else and, and as we re-enter schools from being at home, we've got to make that effort in real life to make a new friend. And so the goal would be a real flesh and blood friend that your mm-hmm. son sees in real life that they get to know. And this takes effort. It's not magical. It might happen through school. It might happen through church. It might happen through a neighborhood group. It might happen for a hobby group. Uh, You know, I mentioned my son likes Nerf guns. He looked for a meetup group and all these guys that like Nerf guns and they like shoot each other in the woods. And and so, you know, he didn't know anybody, but now you know someone from there. So Mm -hmm. looking for people like your son that can befriend him in real life because yes you want to stay in touch with people online and that's fine but you also need real friends and to make real friends in real life to be healthier
1: love it so good arlene time flies when we're having it fun it does i could i this i took so many notes like i'm just like a scribble scratch sheet everywhere cuz everything you said ladies please visit Arlene's website. She is a wealth of information. Her heart is to equip you to love your family well and build the kingdom and advance the kingdom while we're at it. Please check out her website. She's got a bunch of books. Go to that Happy Home podcast. You will not be disappointed. Arlene, would you please pray over our ladies before we send off? We would be so honored. Yes, and I'm so happy that you all have been
0: here. Lord, thank you so much for the time we've been able to spend together. And we pray, Lord, for every family who is wondering, how can our kids feel loved and connected without these video games and social media? Lord, show us a way. Show us a way that we can fully love our kids, engage our kids, and limit their devices. And we pray that you will make a way where there is no way. Mm -hmm. And we pray against addiction. We pray against pornography. We pray against um, evil influences. And we just ask ask, Lord, that you would give us a clear clear mind Mm -hmm. so that we could see what we are supposed to do next with our family. Show us that action Mm -hmm. step in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, friends, for listening to the Discipleship Podcast. Until next time,
1: keep growing in your faith and fulfill your purpose on the earth.